damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. We used heart attack. Please. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Jimmy's Bond Pro Harbor? The castration of the major league baseball managers, we know it. Ask me about my winner. What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com. By St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by two ways, one passion. Food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. There's a couple things that I don't enjoy talking about here on the show. One, you know, involves crime, where, you know, in some cases people are just wrongly treated. And the worst end of it could be when somebody actually loses their life. And the other one is talking about an athlete that really thinks they're above the sport. They think that the sport was created just for them to play and they act like a prima donna to a point where it impacts the teams they play for, the fans, and the other organizations that exist over the course of sports. And it sucks, but I'm gonna have to talk about them both right now. And it's it's because it's important. It's because there's distinct things that have happened that require this type of discussion. And the first one is the terrifying, disgusting, and horrible accident which ended up taking the, li- the life of a young woman and her dog because of the recklessness of a now former Las Vegas Raiders receiver. And Henry Ruggs, who from a personal standpoint might not be a bad dude, did something that is almost reprehensible. And I'm going to talk about the difference between murder and killing in a couple minutes because I do think there's a distinct enough difference that really should be looked at when you're trying to judge this man and what his future is going to be. Because at some point he will face a court and charges for exactly what happened here. And we'll have to defend it. And we'll have to answer to what it is that he did. You know, the details that emerged say that he was driving uh, upwards of over 150 miles an hour. And his Corvette struck the back of a car driven by this woman. And the car that was being driven by the woman was burst into flames, killing her and her dog instantly. And... uh, There's nothing that could ever happen to bring the life back of that woman. And this is a a part of it where you're going to get some very polarizing opinions because this resulted in somebody losing their life. And, you know, Henry Ruggs at just 22 to be 23 years old has a whole lot of his life left to live. Now, he shouldn't be thinking about football right now. He should be thinking about, you know, how he's going to address these serious charges. And in all honesty, he has his own emotional discord and reaction to this because this is not something that he intended to do. This is not something that he premeditated. And that's going to be the difference when I'm talking about the difference between murder, which in most cases is premeditated. Murder, in most cases, is thought about. 
and planned. And it is almost not 100% of the time done with the intent of causing death to the person that you're looking to kill. Now, Henry Ruggs didn't have any premeditation. Henry, Henry Ruggs, when he went out drinking, doing whatever he decided to do to drive that car as fast as he did, didn't think that he was going to go out there and kill somebody. And he certainly didn't intend or want to or plan on killing somebody. So for those that say, hey, he should go to prison for 20 years, he should you know, never see the light of day again. Now, I get it if you're part of the family of the victim. You know, that woman, like you said, absolutely did nothing that deserved her losing her life that day. And Henry Ruggs is responsible. Henry Ruggs was negligent and responsible for the death of this woman. And because of that, he's going to have to pay a price for it. But for those that think that, you know, a 20, 30 year sentence and for a guy, this guy to sit in prison until he's 50, 60, 70 years old, is is absolutely not fair for the crime that was committed. Like I said, there's a clear difference between murder and negligence, which results in somebody's losing their life. You could kill somebody and not intend to do it. And I'll make a quick example. On July 20th of this year, I was involved in a serious car accident on the Garden State Parkway in New Jersey. I'm just driving to work like I normally do on a Tuesday morning. I was in a fast lane doing the speed limit. As I noticed, there's a car behind me that is driving kind of erratic, kind of speeding up and then slowing down, maybe not noticing how the traffic pattern had started to slow down. And this car that was in back of me lost control, fishtailed, went ahead of me, and actually T-boned the side of my car as I'm driving down the parkway resulting in my car being driven into the guardrail, flipping over a bunch of times before landing upside down. And I thought about it like this. You know, I could have very easily died that day. That could have been it. That could have been the, the end of my life. Unfortunately, as the accident was happening in slow motion, I'm envisioning what could have been the end of my life. You know, the fact that nobody that I was close to, my family, my friends, we're never going to see me again. I wasn't going to be able to say goodbye to anybody. And all because of an act that wasn't premeditated, the woman that crashed into me didn't seek my Jeep out there and say, hey, I'm going to wreck this Jeep and I want to kill that person. But her negligence could have resulted in the loss of my life. And had I died, I understand that you know those that were close to me, my family, my friends would be upset at the woman. But that woman would not or should not be treated as if they are a murderer because their negligence, yes, would have resulted in somebody's death like Henry Ruggs' negligence resulted in the death of this woman. But that doesn't make Henry Ruggs a murderer. He has a debt to pay for his crime, which likely will result to him being imprisoned and incarcerated and in jail for a little while. But he also has the chance of retribution, which I've spoken about very much and very often on this show. He has a chance when it's all said and done to go back and live his life again, to perhaps play again in the National Football League. And he, he shouldn't 
have a life sentence for something that was not premeditated and intentional. Now, he's responsible. He committed a crime. His negligence resulted in somebody's death. But my thought is after he serves his time, after he pays his debt for what he did, he should be allowed back into society. He should be allowed back in the National Football League. And he should have a chance to, to go on with the rest of his life. Yes, he's going to have to deal and live with the consequences of his actions, which might be tough for him mentally. It might be something that he's got to think about. Maybe he finds a way to turn this into as much of a right as it possibly can. But it's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of work. And unfortunately, yeah, Henry Ruggs is in a, a, a difficult situation. One that you can't say, hey, it was a mistake. This was a heinous mistake. This was a mistake that you, know, you can't just chalk up to being oh, young and immature. He crossed the line with the mistake because somebody died. And he's got to pay a penalty for that. Number two, you got Obel, Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad trying to find videos where Baker Mayfield is not throwing to his son. Yeah, I got to be honest, when it comes to OBJ, you look at somebody that expects special treatment, understands his gifts, and, you know, in some ways isn't doing anything that other receivers in Christmas past haven't done. Terrell Owens was like this. Keyshawn Johnson, give me the damn ball. Yeah, Jerry Rice, who is the best receiver in the history of the National Football League, never acted like this. You know, Chad Ochocinco slash Johnson was very much a prima donna. Many of these receivers in the National Football League have that type of attitude. And you know what? Their performance, whether they're being targeted, how much they're involved in the offense are all part of them getting paid in the future. They're all part of their permanent record. They're all part of what ends up being the final story when it comes to how somebody's going to be judged by their performance in the National Football League. Will OBJ be a Hall of Fame candidate? Well, you know, he can point to whether Baker Mayfield gets him the ball and Kevin Stefanski and the Cleveland Browns factor him into the offense. So I have some compassion and understanding for the pain of OBJ. But when it starts with a pattern of what happened with the Giants and the fact that the Giants signed him to this long-term contract extension and he made it so tough where they couldn't wait to get rid of him, where the Cleveland Browns say, oh my God, this raw talent, this ability that this player has, we're going to give you the Giants, a first-round draft pick so we could get this receiver. And almost to a point where the Browns felt like they they had stolen something. They had stolen a great player. How many teams in the National Football League at that time would have said, wow, I'd love to have Odell Beckham as one of my receivers. Now you're watching a pattern from what happened to the Giants connecting to what's going on with the Cleveland Browns. And even if these two distinct instances are not related to each other, they're part of what becomes Odell Beckham Jr.'s permanent record. And the fact that he has to take that baggage with him 
to wherever else he ends up playing. So if he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, who will not have the services of Henry Ruggs probably ever again. They cut him. They, 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 he's not part of the Raiders anymore. The New Orleans Saints will not have Michael Thomas this year. If Odell Beckham being released by the Browns opens the door for him to get another opportunity, there is no freaking excuse this time. There's no way to get out of this and say that he could have any mishaps in his next stop. He goes to New Orleans. He goes to Las Vegas. He goes to New England for crying out loud. If there's any aspect of his personality that doesn't come off the right way, it's time to judge Odell Beckham for the person he is. And the fact that he may not be a good football player because he doesn't have it between the ears to conduct himself in a professional manner. Because he didn't prove that with the Giants. He didn't prove that he could conduct himself like a professional. He hasn't proven and will not prove that he could conduct himself like a professional playing for the Cleveland Browns. There's absolutely no excuse here. He decides to say anything. He could have the worst thing happen to him in his next place. His dad could notice the quarterback calling every single play to somewhere else. There's no excuse this time. And it's already going to be a tough judge. Listen, if I'm a general manager, if I'm running an organization in a National Football League, I'm going to have some issues when it comes to wondering if I want this guy on my football field. Is he a cancer? Is he going to impact my clubhouse? How are the other receivers going to act when this guy is going to say, hey, I'm coming here, I'm going to demand the ball? What does this do to the scheme of the offense of, let's say, the Las Vegas Raiders or the New Orleans Saints? Because Michael Thomas you know, set a record for the most pass catches in a season was Drew Brees' number one target. Well, Jameis Winston, who was supposed to be the next quarterback, is out for the season. Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill. I don't know if they can play at the level of a Drew Brees. And Baker Mayfield, and I don't want to defend him because up to this point, I don't think Baker Mayfield has answered the bell as that top number one franchise quarterback. He's playing hurt right now. What has he got? A dislocated whatever in his in his left shoulder or arm. I look I look at Baker Mayfield as being a disappointment to the to up to this point, but the Browns have a responsibility to win games. That responsibility that the Cleveland Browns have to win games oversees and overrides any personal interest that Odell Beckham has in receiving the ball a certain amount of times. The Browns have a very good defense. The Browns are very centric and set around their running game, though their running backs are out right now. And the Browns also have Jarvis Landry. Now, is Baker Mayfield doing the best job to get Odell Beckham the ball? Probably not. But how much is it the fact that, you know, OBJ is just not part of the offense? And how much of that is the decision by the Cleveland Browns to move their offense in a different direction? Maybe it was a mistake to bring Beckham in. Maybe he wasn't the right player for their system. And I, I don't know what system outside a system that is completely centered around Odell Beckham Jr. 
is going to be good for him. I don't see him being good in any team type of environment. You know, the New England Patriots don't have a, you know, absolute unequivocal number one receiver. You look at even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady with weapons. They got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. There's no one receiver there that's getting, you know, 12 to 15 targets a game. If that's what Odell Beckham wants, I don't know if it's necessarily possible in this scheme in a way the National Football League runs itself now. Because you have a number one receiver, you could target him out as many times as you want. At some point, he's gonna you're gonna be double teamed. At some point, there's gonna be extreme zone coverage that's gonna make it very difficult to throw the ball to him. That's gonna leave other receivers open. But my main point with OBJ is that hey, he's gonna get a third chance here after burning his bridges with the Giants, after burning his bridges with the Cleveland Browns. He's gonna get one last chance. And as, as you hear the marching going on upstairs, and I don't know what the hell is going on up there, but what, what Odell Beckham has to figure out is when is he going to be a company man? When is he going to say, hey, what can I do to help the football team? Maybe it means blocking more. Maybe it means being a decoy. Maybe it be, means running your route like it's like like the ball's going to you when the ball's not going to you. Third thing I want to talk about today. Buster Posey announcing he's going to retire. The great catcher for the Giants, three-time World Series champion, MVP, rookie of the year, a 300 hitter, 1500 exactly career hits. He he's he's deciding at a, a young age of 34 that he's not going to be playing baseball anymore. And you try to look back at the body of work of Buster Posey. And I think you think Hall of Fame. It certainly has to be part of the discussion. I don't think it's a no-doubt situation because I think there's many very good catchers that aren't in Hall of Fame. Thurman Munson's not in a Hall of Fame. You know, Ted Simmons, it took him forever. And I thought he was more of a no-doubter than some of the catchers that are already in the Hall of Fame. So the catching position is difficult. You know, Joe Maurer is a pretty good contemporary. An MVP, a batting champion, what, a three-time batting champion for the Twins? He didn't win a World Series. He was a great catcher for the majority of his career, moved to first base for the last handful of seasons. And what Joe Maurer messed up on is he kind of lost a little bit as the pure hitter that he was. If he remained a 300 hitter as a first baseman and maybe got close to 3,000 hits, Maybe got his batting average up a couple more ticks. I think we look at Joe Maurer as probably a no-doubt Hall of Famer. Buster Posey, I think, is going to get in. I'm not here to, to make the case that Buster Posey doesn't belong. But does it open the door, potentially, for a Thurman Munson to get in the Hall of Fame down the road? Now, Thurman, at the time that he died, and of course it was a, a tragic, tragic event, shocking you know, a plane crash where nobody could ever have seen that coming. And it, his career life end in the middle of the 1979 season. Now, Thurman had taken a lot of abuse as a catcher over the course of his career. And at that point had been identified as being part of the decline. How many more years does Thurman Munson play if he doesn't end up dying in that tragic accident? 
And I think that's something that baseball historians have thought about for years. And I think the case for Thurman Munson in a Baseball Hall of Fame is a good one. And Buster Posey, who you're looking at a, a player that opted out of the 2020 season due to the coronavirus, makes the decision after coming back for one more season that he was he was done. I don't think you hold that against him. You didn't, we didn't hold that against Ralph Kiner. We, we shouldn't have held that against Dick Allen for not playing as long as he could have. And hopefully Dick Allen ends up getting in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Posey's going to get in. I think so is Yadier Molina. Another catcher that you think about, Joe Maurer, like I, like I just mentioned, that's a little more of a discussion. But I think it opens the door to other catchers of years past. Ray Schalk is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Rick Farrell is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. And if you look at their stats, you're going to be underwhelmed by what you see. So how could the Hall of Fame not include Buster Posey? How could the Hall of Fame not include Joe Maurer? You know, Mike Piazza, did he use steroids? Did he not use steroids? Yvonne Rodriguez, did he use steroids? Did he not use steroids? Well, both of those guys are in. And they're in based off of their accomplishments and what they meant to the game as catchers. I'm going to cut the show short today. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by two ways, one passion food truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. Score zero, one, and three runs. Very good possibility that if Chris Bryant was on the Chicago Cubs roster, rewarded to a particular franchise as we hit the halfway point here on the past ball show. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series? I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest... Major League Baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Especially the prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer and Bucky Harris. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and the ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and the ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing out. They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. He didn't do anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beat for crying out loud. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion.